the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob Fratz Authority on AM 1420. The answer. It is indeed the Bob France Authority, and it begins at seven, min- seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this Tuesday, the 28th morning of the eighth month of the year of our Lord, 2018. Thanks so much for joining us. If you are uh, just turning on the radio, appreciate you doing that. If you've already had it on, uh, you are in hour number four. <laughs> of this little mini Bob France uh, marathon as I was so privileged to be sitting in for Hugh Hewitt uh, during his program this morning. Had some really good conversations with David M. Drucker of the uh, Washington Examiner and also with uh, Peter Kersenow, our normal Tuesday guest on this program, as well as former ICE acting director uh, Thomas Holman. I interviewed uh, all three of those individuals on Hugh's program Two of them, I'm going to give you a chance to hear on this program because um, uh, I think they were that important. And if you missed them, uh, this is a good opportunity for you to catch up. Normally, as I said, Peter would be joining us on Tuesdays at 10.05 anyway. So what we're going to do is replay the conversation I had with him about illegal alien crime in the United States on Hugh's program. Peter was actually on uh, Tucker Carlson on, I want to say, Thursday, Wednesday last week. Um, he was fantastic, and he presented a host of, of facts, statistics, that belie the narrative that the left would have you believe that illegal immigrants were only coming to this country and adding to this country, and they're working and doing jobs Americans don't want, and this is, it's not true that they come and bring criminal acti- activity here, and so on and so forth. Well, the statistics, as Peter compiled them, speak otherwise. And uh, he did a great job presenting that on Tucker. I asked him to do, do that with us today on Hughes' program, and he was terrific. So uh, since he can't come on live with us at 10 o'clock, we'll replay that, and then also in the 10 o'clock hour, you're going to hear from uh, former ICE acting director Thomas Holman about the issue of of illegal immigration, the role that it plays in uh, criminal activity, the role that ICE plays in trying to limit that criminal activity, and 
the role that all of it is going to play in the 2020 or 2018 rather midterm elections coming up in November. In this hour of the program, one half hour from now, somebody you have not yet heard from, or at least not for quite some time, if you're a regular listener, Dr. Everett Piper will be back to join us. Dr. Piper is the president of Oklahoma Wesleyan University. He's the also, also the uh, author of a terrific book called Not a Daycare. He's a speaker, a columnist, and more. And uh, we're going to talk to him about his latest um, article. And, and I have to tell you, I read it, and that's why I asked him to come on. It, it takes on the hypocrisy of the American left vis-a-vis President Trump and his extramarital dalliances that some people thought was going to bring down the presidency last week. You know, Michael Cohen, the attorney, former attorney for President Trump, admitted to making payouts at the direction of the president. Then, not the president, then just a candidate for president, but he admitted to making payouts to a former Playboy model and a former current porn star and all of these other things. And it's amazing how the left is so concerned about this and the character of the president or then the candidate for president when it comes to these extramarital infidelities. Uh, But yet they yawned when Bill Clinton was carrying on with such things while in office, quite literally while in the office, the Oval Office, having these things going on. Well, Dr. Piper wrote a great piece. It turns out we do believe in sin after all. After, After we were led to believe that, you know, sin doesn't matter, and these types of infidelities and indiscretions didn't matter with Bill Clinton. Here we are. Fast forward 20 years, and now suddenly it matters because of Donald Trump. So the politics of sin. Uh, we're going to discuss that with Dr. Piper coming up at 935. To start, though, um, and I've got people on hold already, which is a little weird. I don't normally turn on the program, or start the program, rather, and uh, automatically turn it over to phone calls. But people are there perhaps because of what we talked about during the Hugh program, the Hugh Hewitt program, and uh, naturally that has to do with the passing of Senator John McCain. The latest developments? Well, you know them. President Trump finally relented. After the flag kerfuffle of, uh, of yesterday, as those who are critical of the president condemned him for not keeping the flag over the White House at half-staff until uh, Senator McCain's internment, um, President Trump listened. And he said, okay. First of all, all we did was follow proper flag protocol. Flag protocol says that the flag shall fly at half-staff, half-mast if it's on a ship. It shall fly at half-staff on the day of the death of a United States congressional representative or senator and on the day after. The day after that, it's back to normalcy. And that's what the president did. Some said, however, you should keep it longer, keep it at half-staff longer in order to show respect to the career both in the United States military and the Navy and uh, in the United States Senate of Senator McCain. He deserves more than just what the flag protocol says. Keep it longer. So the president said, all right, you want it, you got it. And yet the president still took criticism. Our hearts and prayers uh, are going to the family of Senator John McCain. There will be a lot of activity over the next number of days, and uh, we uh, very much appreciate everything that Senator McCain has done for our country. So, you know, in an attempt to show respect to the dead, uh, he said, you know, this is a little different than his tweet. His original tweet was just, uh, you know, hearts and prayers uh, and condolences to the McCain family because they lost a loved one. It didn't say anything about the career of the man himself. Now, at least in this time, he said, we appreciate everything that he gave to the service to his country. 
And that's, that's good. That's appropriate. The flag situation, though, however, remains a, uh, an issue. Why? Because President Trump can't win for losing. He's in a lose-lose situation. I got a text from a fellow uh, a radio professional yesterday, in the middle of the day. A radio pro from Houston, friend of mine, who is not a fan of Donald Trump, who really took the president to task for his pettiness, and how could he take that flag down? And, or not take it down, let me rephrase. How could he put it back up to full staff rather than taking it, uh, leaving it at half staff? And um, I responded, well, because it's the protocol. This is what you're supposed to do. And I sent him the actual verbiage of the, uh, of the U.S. flag code. And he said, well, he still shouldn't have done it. He should have, he should have left it at, at, at uh, half-mast. And a couple hours later, after the president ordered the flags, a flag over the White House to be lowered to half-staff again in, in respect to not only the senator, but to the wishes of those who were slamming him over it on cable news all day yesterday and online, the president does this. And my friend tweets me or texts me back again from Houston to say, Oh, my God, can you believe he did that? He's just trying to score political points. <laughs> he's, he's getting clubbed over the head by uh, the left on this and by the right, too, supporters of Senator McCain on cable news all day and on social media. Now he lowers the flag just so that he can score political points. And that, to me, was you know a, a microcosm of, of, of the larger President Trump politics today. He can't win. No matter what he does, they're going to find fault. And, you know, people wonder why conservative talk show hosts and, and, and other members of conservative media become so defensive of the president. Uh, it, it's because there are some things that are just so ridiculous. He can't win. If he would have left those flags at full staff after the appropriate flag protocol was followed, they were half staff through the day after the death, then they were returned to full staff. If he'd have left them up there, he would have been criticized again for, for pettiness and insensitivity and a, and a lack of appreciation for the career and the sacrifices made by John McCain, and they'd have killed him. But if he lowers it, which he did, back to half staff, they accuse him of playing politics and just trying to curry favor with people uh, in doing something that he didn't really want to do. So what's he to do? How does he win? The bottom line is, not only did he lower the flags back down at the request of a lot of people, and out of respect for the family of John McCain, he also issued a statement that was far more presidential, dare I say, than his short two- or three-line tweet that he had sent uh, prior to that on Saturday. It, was, it, it did express and acknowledge the sacrifices made by John McCain, both as a naval aviator prisoner of war and uh and and united states senator it was appropriate and now it should be over but instead the trump derangement syndrome sufferers those in stage four tds um quite frankly uh they they're 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 going to find a way to trash him anyway and i find that very very troubling i find it very troubling that when the president does one thing and is condemned for it so he switches and gives people what they want and then he's condemned for that as well uh he's not able to win quite frankly he's just not able to win and it's one of the reasons why i think that he just does his own thing because he knows it doesn't matter what he does or says they're going to find fault with it so he's just going to do his thing and, and be his own person 
And there's part of me that respects that. Yes, I'm still going to complain. Yes, I'm still going to, uh, you know, make suggestions that he not tweet this or not make that public statement because some of them are going to be very, very damning and damaging to him and to us who support him uh, because that's just the way that it is. But, but I do understand. And when I see people criticizing him for doing one and then he flips and does the opposite and they criticize for that, I just know there's no way for him to win. Having said all that, I also understand that the pettiness and the vindictiveness between President Trump and Senator McCain did not die along with McCain's physical body. The pettiness and the vindictiveness and the enmity between the two lives on. How do we know? Because Senator McCain left a note. He left a note by which he could take a few more political swipes at per- and personal swipes at Donald Trump from beyond the grave. That note was read yesterday by longtime McCain friend and confidant and the man who ran his two presidential campaigns, his two uh, failing presidential campaigns uh, in 2000 and in, um, uh, in uh, 2008, uh, Rick Davis. He read the note, John McCain's final words to the nation, to his family, to his friends, and yes, it includes some swipes at the president. Not by name, but very thinly veiled is not being veiled at all. It's very easy to say what he was saying. So the uh, discord between the two continues even after death. And if the president is guilty of anything, it is of carrying on, carrying on in that very same manner. John McCain can get away with it now because it's not going to cost him where he is. I say that not in a crass way. just mean literally he left his final words uh, on those pages, kind of knowing that he's... You know, he's the recently departed, and he's not going to suffer any of the uh, backlash from that. But if Donald Trump responds in kind or in any way is, um, uh, you know, is perceived to be a, a, a petty responder to what McCain has said or done, it will cost him because he's still trying to run the country and he, he would still like to win reelection. So that part of the story is still there as well. All right, phone lines are open at 216-901-0945, uh, To those who are on hold from the start of the show, I thank you for allowing me to monologue. We'll get our quick check of traffic here. We'll come back and take your phone calls next on AM 1420, The Answer. Weekday mornings at 11 on AM 1420. The answer. 924, now the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer continues. Don't forget, phone lines are open, but you can also reach me on social media, Twitter. You'll find me at Radio Done Right. Radio Done Right is all one word, no spaces, no underscores. You'll find me on Facebook at France Radio, F-R-A-N-T-Z Radio. Again, no spaces, no underscores there as well. We'll go to the phones as promised. Mark in Fairview Park has been waiting since the Hugh Hewitt Show was still on the air, and you're now on the Bob France Authority. Hey there, Mark, go ahead. Thanks, Bob, for letting me be on the Bob France Marathon. Uh, <laughs> yes, I sir. just wanted to mention that... Uh, one of the things I'm hearing over and over again about John uh, McCain, and I really honor his service time and everything else, but mm-hmm. is just working together. This is all they play on TV, the working together and compromising. You know, it was a lot different during Truman's time and during Kennedy's time. They even say today that you'd probably be a conservative today, uh, John F. Kennedy. And that. I would but, agree. But uh, today it's, it's like a war, like Dennis Prager says. And this compromise McCain's always talking about and this togetherness and everything else, well, what does it mean? What does it mean? You know, it's a different ball game today. You know, we give up our, what do we do? Give up our tax cuts? What do we do? Open our borders? Do we destroy our economy through lousy trade deals? You know, it's, 
uh, it's a, as I said, it's a different ball game today. And I just want to finish up by saying I'm going back out in the heat again today. I got beat up very bad. I missed your Shakespearean show yesterday I heard about, but I'm into it a little bit myself, and I'd like to say one thing in case I don't make it through today. Uh, from uh, Henry V, gentlemen to bed, for we leave at first light. Tomorrow we battle. We may lose our lives, but remember, death is but a moment. Cowardice is a lifetime affliction. Thank you, Bob. Phenomenally done. Wow. Now that is outstanding. That's what I'm talking about. I got to tell you, uh, yesterday wasn't a Shakespearean show by my, uh, you know, anything that I did, but not by my accord, but by callers, two of whom referenced the very same line, by the way. I come to, uh, not, not to uh, praise, uh, praise, praise Caesar, but to bury him. And I had two different variations of that. That's why I stuttered over it. One said, I come not to praise McCain, but to bury him. Another uh, pointed out the other way around. So, uh, the callers made it a Shakespearean show yesterday, and now you lead us off with a great line from Henry Henry V today. Very, very well done. I love speaking to an intelligent audience. I do. It's just sorry, and that's no disrespect on anybody who doesn't remember anything from Shakespeare, but those who do, uh, that's awesome. Really, really great stuff. To the uh, point about John McCain that I was making before as well, the president being, uh, uh, you know, in a in a damned if you do, damn if you do, damn if you don't situation. A great example of that was yesterday on ESPN. Um, it, it has not to do with John McCain. It has to do with Tiger Woods. And I want to share this with you briefly here because I have uh, um, Dr. Piper coming up after the bottom of the hour news. Speaking of damned if you do, damned if you don't, that applies to sometimes Trump supporters as well as Trump himself. I want you to listen. Tiger Woods was asked after his golf tournament on Sunday about being a friend of President Donald Trump because he has golfed with Donald Trump and he has known Donald Trump for 20 years. And he acknowledged as much. And when somebody asked how he thought of him, uh, what he thought about him, this is what Tiger Woods said. He's the president of the United States and you have to respect the, the, the office. And no matter who's in the office, uh, you may like, dislike, um, personality or the, the politics uh but we all must respect the office that's reasonable right no matter who's in the office you might like their personality dislike them you might like their politics you might dislike their politics but you have to respect them right pretty reasonable pretty safe pretty pretty unifying quite frankly he's saying don't matter who it is let's show respect for the office that wasn't good enough for the liberals at espn oftentimes referred to correctly as MSESPN, a nod toward their similarity to MSNBC, because ESPN was not having any of Tiger Woods actually saying that you should respect the president of the United States and the office in which he resides. The president, if anything, is held to a higher standard of behavior. It is not such that we have such great respect for the office that no matter what the behavior of its occupant, we must therefore respect its occupant because of the office. No, Tiger Woods is being, is, you said being slick. Here he's being slick. We must respect the office, therefore that confers respect to the occupant. Tiger, is that what you're saying? If that's what you're saying, that is a stupid comment. I don't, but I don't even know if he believes that that's what he's saying. Well, first of all, we don't know what Tiger Woods believes. He's Cambodian. He's not black. When- you, um, you, your, your, your speaker didn't glitch out there. He, he actually said that. 
The first voice you just heard was that of Max Kellerman, liberal commentator on liberal ESPN supposed sports network. The second voice you heard belonged to Stephen A. Smith. And yes, he said, First of all, we don't know what Tiger Woods believe. He's Campbell Asian. He's not black. Tiger Woods is not black. He's Cablin Asian. Tiger Woods is of a mixed race. Tiger Woods has a black father, Earl Woods, and he's a Thai mother. And he's got some other assorted ethnicities mixed into his family tree. It's wonderful. But he only has one black parent. But what Stephen A. Smith and the purveyors of racial animus and hatred at ESPN said is that Tiger Woods is not black apparently because he refused to condemn Donald Trump. The reporter who was speaking to Tiger Woods in that press conference followed up his statement about respecting the office by saying, don't you have anything to say about Donald Trump as it pertains to race relations? In other words, will you please insult him and call him a racist, please? Tiger Woods said, no, I don't. And you know what? I just played 72 uh, holes of golf and I'm hungry. And that was it. If Tiger Woods was truly black, the liberals at ESPN said, he would have criticized Donald Trump because that's what black people do. If he was truly black, he would have taken a shot at Trump and called him a racist. Because don't you know that black people in America, according to that black man, Stephen A. Smith, and his liberal network ESPN, according to them, Black people can't think for themselves. Black people have to all think alike. And since Tiger Woods clearly didn't want to slam Donald Trump as a racist, he's not black. He's Cablin Asian. The part of him that's black doesn't show up. Except when he gets arrested. That was the other part of what he had to say. Simply staggering. And yet the left accuses President Trump of being the one who is a divider. We'll have more on that coming up, but let's get our news now. Dr. Everett Piper joins us next right here on AM 1420, The Answer. Nine thirty-five. now the Bob France Authority continues on AM 1420, The Answer. So, do we believe in sin or not? When Bill Clinton was... Um, engaging in extramarital dalliances, not before taking the office of president, but while in the office of the president. And not just the office figuratively, the actual physical office. When he was engaging in all of those terrible things, the media and the left told us, this is no big deal. Stop being so prudish. Stop being so so judgmental. People have extramarital affairs all the time. They excused Bill Clinton's extramarital affairs because it was politically expedient for them to do so. Now we get word of Donald Trump allegedly paying off Playboy models, porn stars for alleged extramarital affairs that, by the way, still haven't been proven uh, before he took the office. And now suddenly we are this moral society passing judgment uh, in a way that we never did before. That was a great point made, and I'm summarizing it very, very briefly, by Dr. Everett Piper. Uh, In a wonderful article that I read just a couple of days ago, and I invited him to join us, Dr. Piper, the president of Oklahoma Wesleyan University and the author 
of not a daycare, the devastating consequences of abandoning truth. Joins us on AM 1420, The Answer once again. Dr. Piper, good to have you back here in Cleveland, Ohio. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great, and it's always an honor to join your show. Well, it's such a great, it's a pleasure talking with you. It always has been. Um, and, and, and certainly when you, when, you, when you crystallize this as well as you did in your re- recent op-ed, I want you to kind of remind us of exactly what the left did to excuse the, um, you know, the sinful behavior of President Clinton back in the 1990s and compare that to what we're seeing today in terms of the judgment of Donald Trump. Well, you summarized it quite well. You know, we all remember when Bill Clinton was philandering and lying about it. And when Hillary Clinton was using political power to intimidate and silence uh, the women that Clinton had used for his sexual pleasure, she actually called them bimbos and liars. We were told to get over it. Uh, conservatives were told that we were being prudish and we were being judgmental and we needed to stop our fixation on sex and the salacious and it was about the economy, stupid. I could go on and on about all of these rebuttals that we heard ad nauseum. That was the common retort of the left and that was this. A man's sex life is his private life and what the president does in his bedroom or even in the Oval Office with an intern is his business and conservatives just need to be quiet and stop being the church lady, right? It was mocked on Saturday Night Live and it was ridiculed on the night to tonight show and the list went on and on but here we are today and this is the irony and this is the point of my piece here we are today and who is it that is now lecturing lecturing all of culture about morality well it's the left all of a sudden the left apparently has gotten born again and they and they believe in sin now none of what i'm saying exonerates any of our own i've had some people say well that's a non sequitur argument you're just pointing to other bad behavior to justify bad behavior that's not what i'm doing at all nothing in my article justifies our own in fact what i'm saying is that it's interesting that conservatives have called our own out for sin but yet the left has ridiculed us for believing in sin and now that it's a republican president that supposedly is guilty of sin, the left has all of a sudden gone to revival and gotten born again, and they believe in sin again. Now, that is very interesting, because we might want to be very gentle on how we actually tell them what they're doing, because if they actually wake up from this dream of sexual nihilism that they've been imbibing for the last 30, 40, 50 years and recognize that sin is real, when they look in the mirror, they might be scared to death. Doctor, we're talking to uh, Dr. Everett Piper, the uh, president of Oklahoma Wesleyan University, and again, as I mentioned, the author of uh, Not a Daycare. Do they really believe in sin now, or are, are they just using this, this, um, this facade of, div- or not divinity, but this facade of morality and of, and of, and of religion and of sin uh, because of the political expedience? I, I mean, it's one thing to say they believe in it. I don't know that they do. They're just going to say what they have to do in order to take a shot at President Trump. Uh, excellent point. In fact, I've been um, uh, in some people that have commented on this column that I wrote for the Washington Times, where finally we believe in sin again. Um, people have suggested the left doesn't believe this, and you're being naive in suggesting that they do. I get it. I think intuitively, intuitively we all do. Romans, St. Paul tells us in the, in, in the Epistle of the Romans that the truth of God is written on every human heart. Every human being has a sense of natural law, of common sense, sense that is common and law that is natural. We all understand, as C.S. Lewis told us in Mere Christianity, when somebody cuts in line, you're offended by it. When somebody steals your orange, you say, hey, that's my orange. That's C.S. 
Lewis's analogy. So we have this sense of justice, and we know that there can be no justice without a capital J, a judge, an immutable standard to judges. C.S. Lewis called it a measuring rod outside of those things being measured. Well, conservatives, such as you and such as me, have been saying this all along. The left has been lampooning us for suggesting that, but now all of a sudden, what are they doing? They can't criticize Trump without using the very measuring rod that they've denied exists. Now, do they want to continue to use it on themselves? That's your point. I don't think they do. And as soon as they have power again, they'll try to be the measuring rod rather than trusting God's standards to judge what's right and wrong, good and evil. They'll rise up as gods and want to do it themselves. But what they're proving right now is that St. Paul was right and the biblical standard is correct. And that is we all understand that you can't do any measuring without a measuring rod outside of those things being measured. And that's God's immutable standards of what's right and wrong, good and evil, just and unjust. Dr. Everett Piper is my guest. I mentioned his book, Not a Daycare, The Devastating Consequences of Abandoning Truth. That was his second book, his first, Why I Am a Liberal and Other Conservative Ideas. Uh, really, really great reading, and I highly recommend those. Dr. Piper, let me um, offer a mea culpa. Um, I find myself sometimes uh, feeling hypocritical uh, because I'm, I'm proclaiming the opposite. I'm being the opposite of these liberals <clears throat> who excuse Clinton and are condemning Trump for his sinful behavior. I feel like because I'm saying almost I still support the president, um, that, that I'm condoning his sin. And I know in, in reality I'm not. I certainly don't approve of these things. But I keep trying to say it's not an impeachable offense. Leave him alone. It's between him and his wife. Let's focus on the 4.1% GDP growth. And, I'm, and I always turn myself back to what he has accomplished and what he continues to try to work toward in terms of his agenda in the United States. And I find myself less concerned about his sexual dalliances than I did against Bill Clinton or about Bill Clinton. So are those of us who are even if it's subconsciously looking away from those things, are we guilty of the same sort of hypocrisy? Um, I think we need to be careful. I really do. I think we need to remember that conservatives believe in conserving a standard that judges man, not elevating man to be that standard like liberals do. Conservatives believe in self-evident truths that are endowed to us by our Creator. We don't believe that we are the creator of those truths. We believe they've given to us through revelation by God. And therefore, we should judge ourselves and each other by those. And don't give me this baloney that Jesus said, judge not, lest thou be judged. He goes... He says in the next paragraph how you should judge. So he's not telling us not to judge. He's telling us when you do, be careful, because the same standard will be used on you. And isn't that appropriate here? It if is. we're going to judge Clinton, if we're going to judge Clinton, we've got to be prepared for that standard to be used against us. And that's what we're finding on Trump. I'm not going to excuse Trump. And some pro-Trumpers are going to get mad at me. If he is engaged in this behavior, and it appears that he has been a womanizer, he talks about it in his books. And it appears that he has been a cad. He admits it in his books. I'm not going to exonerate him for that. But what I will do is thank him when he's right. I'll thank him when he's right, and then I'll continue to criticize him when he's wrong. That's what a true conservative should do. Dr. Piper, I think that's well said. Um, is it, see, when I, the, the difference I find myself coming back to when it comes to Clinton and Trump when it comes to these things, number one is one was done in, in office, while in office, quite literally, and, and the other one, you know, these, these affairs, to our knowledge, were, were things that happened when he was basically just a billionaire, billionaire New York playboy, you know, television star and a real estate mogul, he's got billions of dollars, and, and they tend to, uh, you know, that, that's, that's part of the, the persona. Uh, they become womanizers and so on and so forth. 
It's one thing to do that then. It's another thing to do it while in office. And the other part of this is Bill Clinton was judged not just for his affairs, that part of his sinful lifestyle, but by his dishonesty. And he lied to the American people on television. He lied uh, before Congress. And his impeachment was based on his dishonesty, not on his actual sinful extramarital affairs, you know, the infidelity. Um, is, is that a fair distinction to make? To our knowledge, Donald Trump hasn't done anything illegal, such as perjuring himself before any official bodies in, in trying to disco- or, or to uh, cover up or, or um, you know, uh, shield himself from any, uh, of, of any wrongdoing. Well... We can make those distinctions, and I think it's fair to have a rational conversation about does it make a difference if a guy was a philanderer and a cad prior to the White House versus in the White House? Is there a distinction there? Uh, A cad is a cad is a cad, but does the timing and the place matter? Um, With regard to denying it, Clinton perjured himself and denied it on the bench. Um, Trump has denied, you know, initially, you know, paying paying off these women, and now it appears that, uh, well, it appears that indeed he knew that that was happening. But again, I don't want I don't want to get into people getting all upset over whether or not you're criticizing Trump. Here's what I say. Trump has been pro-life. Thank you. Trump appointed Gorsuch. Thank you. Trump has nominated Kavanaugh. Thank you. Trump has created a, a, a Department of Freedom of Religion and Freedom of Conscience and HHS and OCR. Thank you. I'm being invited to speak at that ceremony, whereas before I was suing HHS and OCR, OCR under Obama for violating my First Amendment rights. Thank you, Mr. Trump, for defending religious freedom, the First Amendment, and the Constitution. Now, if he's been um, guilty of things that are embarrassing and immoral, then we should say that these are immoral and that the non-sequitur of somehow excusing Bill Clinton because Trump has done it too makes no sense. Clinton was wrong, and so are our, our own if they've done the same thing, but we need to look at the whole body of work, and if we can thank Trump for something, then say so. But don't excuse the fact that sin is real. We're all guilty of sin, and we need to be prepared to confess it. We can't excuse it and just exonerate somebody because they're a conservative, and we certainly need to call the left out when they all of a sudden are born again and think sin is real just because they can criticize the right. Very, excuse me, very well said. Dr. Everett Piper is our guest, uh, president of Oklahoma Wesleyan University. So if I can summarize what you just said, is it fair to say that we can look the other way on sins that we do not approve of um, as long as the greater good is being done? All of the things you just listed, the Kavanaugh's, the Gorsuch's, the, uh, you know, the wonderful accomplishments that the president has, has given us, um, we, can, we can vote for this man with a clear conscience, to vote for him to be reelected despite knowing about those uh, other sinful areas of his life because he's doing far more greater things than the damage would be done by those sins. Uh, well, I would challenge you on look the other way. I wouldn't look. Let's let's say it was uh, Bill Clinton in office, and Bill Clinton. <laughs> it's hard hard to imagine, but let's just imagine that Bill Clinton was pro life, and Bill Clinton was pro First Amendment, and Bill Clinton protected your religious freedom and mine, and Bill Clinton stood in the way of government largesse when they tried to enforce us to buy abortion drugs, and Bill Clinton actually tried to stop Planned Parenthood from butchering babies. Let's assume all of that were true, and all of a sudden we find out that Bill Clinton is in the Oval Office with my 
Monica Lewinsky. What conservatives should have done, if had that been the case, is criticized the heck out of him getting caught with Monica Lewinsky and saying that is wrong, and we will not look the other way. But thank you, Mr. Clinton, for defending our religious freedom and our First Amendment rights. I would have said that with Bill Clinton had he done that. But unfortunately, he was guilty of all the above, plus <laughs> plus his sexual dalliances. That's a great point. He was. So he, he did not stand for all of the, those other things you did. And, and to be clear, by the way, I, I don't mean look the other way. I just mean I can, I can vote for this man. I can, I can absolve him. And you know, that's not within my purview or anybody else's to absolve sin. But what I mean is that, that when I say look the other way, we can, we can live with it. We can, we, we, we don't like it. We don't approve of it. We don't say good job, but we can live with it as long as there are other things happening that mitigate those things to us as you just described. Well, and I would say I want to be able to sit down at the dinner table with my children and talk about a leader with character. So if we've got a leader without character, we need to talk about why it's wrong. But we've got a very complex society right now with complex people. Sometimes you've got a Constantine. I don't know that Constantine was a Christian. Some people say he was converted in his vision uh, in, the, in, the, in uh, 320-whatever AD that it was, and that's why he showed favor to Christianity. Other people say it was just political expediency, and he was playing a political game. Frankly, it doesn't matter. Constantine showed favor to the church, and I'm grateful for any politician that gives the church its religious freedom and releases it to do its good work. And that's the case with Mr. Uh, Mr. Trump right now. And I would have said it even with a Democrat, but unfortunately Democrats believe in butchering babies and dumbing down the definition of marriage and government largesse jumping across the uh, wall of separation of church and state and the government jumping in and telling the church how to define its own sacraments. That's baloney. Uh, I'm going to criticize that. Thankfully, Trump apparently thinks the opposite, but I am going to criticize any politician who shows that they actually are sinning. And that's the irony of my story. The left all of a sudden believes in sand. Dr. Piper, last thing, and this might be a really difficult question to answer. Um, speaking of talking to our kids about, you know, a, a person in our in our highest office who has character, how do we address that with our kids? If we get asked by our, you know, and I'm thinking moderately older kids, you know, or older adolescents, 10, 11, 12, maybe even into their early teens who actually understand these things and when they hear about, you know, a porn star, a playboy playmate being paid off and so on. If they're hearing these stories, how do we explain to them, no, we do not support the sins that, that you have been hearing about about our president, but we support our president's mission and what he is doing? How do we, how do we, how do we make that right with our kids? We vote for a constitution and a covenant. We don't vote for a king. <clears throat> Period. The United States is a covenantal community. We believe in a covenant. It's called the Constitution. We've never believed in the power of men. We've believed in the principles, the time-tested eternal truths, the self-evident truths endowed to us by God. It's called a Constitution. It's called a biblical worldview. We vote for the covenant. We don't vote for the king, because the king is always flawed. Very, very well said. And, and that's a great lesson uh, to, to take to our kids when they ask those questions. Dr. Everett Piper, read his uh, his wonderful op-ed. It's in the uh, Washington Times. No, I'm sorry, Washington Times. That, right, it was Washington Times. Correct. Sorry. Uh, I've got a printable version of it here. I don't have the headline on it. Um, so read that uh, great piece. I'll tweet it out again uh, and, and also follow Dr. Everett Piper on Twitter as well. And make sure you pick up his books. As I mentioned, they're very, very good reads. Uh, not a daycare. Uh, the Devastating Consequences of Abandoning Truth, his first book, was Why I Am a Liberal and Other Conservative Ideas. Uh, Dr. Piper, really great stuff. Uh, by the way, class is back in session at Ohio West, or at uh, Oklahoma Wesleyan? 
Yep, Oklahoma Wesleyan, we started a couple of weeks ago. We start early down here, and, and we're blessed. School that actually believes in the things that I've just described on your show. Well, that's because of the leadership, uh, in my view, uh, based on everything I've learned about you over the past few years and in talking with you. Uh, it, it, you know, great things flow down from the top, and uh, and that's exactly what I think you are you are bringing to your students. So I wish you a very successful school year, and we'll catch up again down the road. All right. Blessings. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. Piper. Dr. Everett Piper on AM 1420, The Answer from Oklahoma Wesleyan University. I hope I didn't mistakenly say Ohio Wesleyan earlier. I might have. After all, that's where we are. But Oklahoma Wesleyan, a wonderful, uh, wonderful university and obviously a great leader. All right. Let's catch up on our traffic now. Come right back. Get some phone calls on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, 957. Thanks again to Dr. Everett Piper. Uh, really, really great conversation. It's a, it's a tough subject. You know, it, it really is. For those of us who are steadfast supporters of President Trump's mission and President Trump's agenda and President Trump's narrative um, of the United States as an exceptional world power, uh, a benevolent world power, a strong world power, with respect to our military and all of the things that he has, um, you know, been so instrumental in in restoring, those of us who believe in that do have a hard time when it comes to the issue of character. When it comes to the issue of oh, but he cheats on his wife. Oh, but he does this, that, or the other thing. And and when we think back to the Bill Clinton days, um, you know, it was a different story. It was a different story then. It's a different story now, and and it just the the roles have been kind of reversed, and so it's a little bit difficult for us sometimes to figure out how to explain that. Uh, you know that we 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 did not look the other way then. We do look the other way now, but I think it's even more difficult for the leftists who supported Clinton to say this is no big deal. This is no big deal. So he's cheating on his wife in the Oval Office. So what? <laughs> I know it's hard. To, it sounds silly to even suggest that in such a manner, but this is what they said. It's no big deal. Quit being a prude. Quit uh, trying to impose your Christian morality on us, or Jewish morality, or anything else for that matter. This, uh, this doesn't bother us. And now here we are 30 years later, or 25 years later, whatever it is, uh, the, you know, the left is saying suddenly morality does matter. Suddenly sin is a thing. And Donald Trump is sinning, and those of you evangelicals who support him, that you are the hypocrites. It is a difficult thing. How much does character matter versus how much does, you know, do results matter? And the bigger picture. I think Dr. Piper explained it very well. You may not be able to approve of the president's lifestyle choices, again, prior to his getting into the Oval Office. But what you do approve of is the fact that he's fighting to save children's lives. He's fighting to defund Planned Parenthood and to stop the, the, the murder, the, the, the murder of hundreds of thousands of babies every single year. Those kinds of things matter. And not that the other doesn't. But again, you do have to look sometimes to the greater good. Great conversation with uh, Dr. Piper. Coming up after the top of the hour, Peter Kersenow normally joins us live. But I've already talked to Peter this morning on the Hugh Hewitt Show. Now you're going to hear it on the Bob France Authority. It's coming up next on AM 1420, The Answer. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
the explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.